always from bull run calling into portland oregon kelly how's it going from portland calling portland oregon calling and we are here again for another episode of sign on the window where we talk about bob dylan uh that's a little teaser for what the rest of this podcast is going to be about but i do want to bring up something from last week kelly we are people in the world as we say we're people in the world and later on we're going to talk about what we did this week but funny enough if you listen to our last last week's episode which was Farewell Angelina. Yes, that's the one. We talked about war. We talked about forsaken courtyards. We talked about bombed out cities. And we did not know when we were recording that, that the our world was going to change so much. And that we we're recording this three weeks into a country, Russia, mm-hmm. invading a sovereign nation, Ukraine. We also talked about Albanian hip hop. And I said, watch the world turn around on us as we talk about Bob Dylan. And you said, ha ha, yes, we're just going to end up talking about the former Soviet Union, apparently, <laughs> which turns out we are going to keep doing that. Things are things are great, but we will continue to bring you breaking news a couple of weeks late in the framework of a oh, Bob man, Dylan podcast. Uh, Kelly, do you uh, take back any of those uh, comments? Uh, no, I think we're incredibly prescient. Um, we accidentally led to bob dole's death we on did. another podcast of ours yeah i mean who could have predicted that that our comments about the soviet former soviet union would be so relevant hopefully we don't have a whole meltdown of even more countries uh like Al- albania and croatia and we'll watch Canada. what we say i think that's like the, the yeah yeah i think that's what the takeaway is let's uh just be a little more careful yeah. let's never talk about anything that could possibly lead to uh, an invasion no of let's let's have, and this week who knows i mean it doesn't seem like but the word bash is kind of like you know it's kind of a violent word so we'll see what happens but we're not here to talk about geopolitics or the former former soviet union we're here today to talk about bob dylan you and i spend a uh, predetermined amount of time listening to a random Bob Dylan song that you chose at last week's episode. And we spend a whole episode talking about that. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number stamped on the forehead of a half human, half Android that you'd see on a badge worn by Glenn Danzig at band practice in 1978. If you were a member of the misfits, of course. And this week we listened to 1967's million dollar bash. What? A friend of hers with his checks all forged and his cheeks in a chunk with his cheese in the cash. They're all gonna be there at that million dollar bash. Ooh, baby, ooh, we, ooh, baby, ooh, we, it's that million dollar bash. All right, Kelly, we spent the entire week or so since our last episode listening to. Million Dollar Bash from 1967 from the Basement Tapes. This is like our sixth or seventh Basement Tape. We'll get into that in a little bit, I suppose. But um, before we even get started, we listen to three versions that we'll talk about. Take one, take two. And, of course, the only live version in existence that we have the pleasure to listen to as well. Um, so without giving away uh, our thoughts on those things, how did you feel with Million Dollar Bash, Bash in general? In the past, I feel like... I have found the Basement Tape songs pretty endearing because it's just like friends hanging out, jamming, doing dumb stuff, making silly songs. Um, And uh, my opinion has not changed. It's fun. It's just dumb friends (laughs) having a good time, making music, being silly. And what's not to like? You really can't hate it. Context for this song. uh, We don't know exactly who because there's no documentation for who was actually playing the instruments or anything like that. But from Sid Griffith in his Million Dollar Bash, the title of his book on the Basement Tapes, he noted it out like this. Bob Dylan is on acoustic guitar and on harmonica for Take One, incredibly. One of the rare um, Basement Tape songs with harmonica. Robbie Robertson, apparently, we don't know what he's doing. He might not actually be playing because there's no electric guitar here. Uh, Rick Danko is on bass. Manuel is on piano and Garth Hudson, international treasure Garth Hudson is on organ. <laughs> and then of course, Danko and Manuel are, are given that backing vocal as well, uh, which is essential to this song. Uh, this song was also recorded on the same reel as 
episode 39 for us. Ye heavy in a bottle of bread. And also, interestingly, on take one, too, we get like uh, where we think about uh, Garth hitting, you know, record on this. We've talked a lot about how the basement tapes are fun because it feels like they're freewheeling and it's just friends hanging out and being friends. But it's all very curated. In a perfect world, we would just hit record and we would never stop recording. But in in take one, you get the snippet at the end where Bob, you know, sort of says something and there's, you know, Danko still playing the bass and like, that's really exciting. And then, of course, click, we turn off the tape. Um, so this is one of those that's like, it, it's frustrating because whenever you get a glimpse behind the curtain, I always think of like uh, Battlestar Galactica and just the, the songs being out into the ether. And I just, I wish there was a way for us to like grab this entire time period and listen to it. This is part of the 10 songs that ended up being copyrighted from the basement tapes in September of 1967, um, including ye having a bottle of bread and some big hitters like this wheels on fire. I shall be released. You ain't going nowhere, but million dollar bash is on there. But of all the ones we've done only ye having a bottle of bread is part of like the songs that I think Bob, this came out in 1975 on the basement tapes, double EP or the double LP. Uh, Kelly, we did listen to, and of course he's played the song one time live in, in London in 2005, which we're about to talk about. Kelly, we listened to two versions plus a live version of this song, plus a cover from Fairport Convention. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Fairport Convention. I think that a lot of bands uh, cover Bob Dylan really, really, really well. Joan Baez last week did a great job, and I think Fairport does a great job too. They bring the fun, um, and they also liven it up with you know different vocal stylings and just kind of while staying very truthful to what's going on. And of course, this song wouldn't see the light of day, quote unquote, until the 19, 1975. So when Fairport's doing this a year later, they are getting essentially what the project was, which is making these demo songs and giving them to other bands. So they were the first people we got to hear the song from. And it turns out to be a very faithful rendition. Oh, I I had no idea that that was from 1969 holy shit i thought that was like a recent ish like within the last 20 years it sounds excellent whoa everybody from right now to over there and back the louder they come well, the bigger they cry come now sweet free don't forget to flash But yeah, no, they yeah they they covered a lot of Dylan, and they have their own stuff. Like they they were kind of started out in like the birds started out kind of in a lane, and then they really expanded mm-hmm. in the '60s to kind of become a really cool psychedelic type of band. And like, but really, really fun to listen to. They were they were definitely a highlight from my '60s listen. You wow. know, two two years that, ago or so. What a revelation! So taking that cover in mind, and 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 thinking about the same way Joan Baez with Farewell Angelina was the first and only thing we heard for not quite thirty years in that case, but like you know about ten years or so. How do how does that sort of stack up? And which take did you feel was the best? And why is the live version kind of the best of all of them? Why is it <laughs> that Brooks no argument? It is, and tell me why. Um, I think I like the second version whatever the one that's actually on the the basement tapes proper uh just because it's a little more cohesive the part of the charm of things feeling off the cuff and kind of ramshackly also gives me a bit of anxiety because they're all playing from what i can tell it's so muddy the the take one from the basement the whatever the bootleg series is so muddy it like makes me have a little bit of a uh, panic (laughs) Um, like they're all playing the same chords from what I can tell, but okay. they're off time a little bit at the beginning. So it's like a solid 20 seconds of just like fucking noise and you can't really pick out anything. Like you can almost thank God the piano is there and the, the piano is great. They're like ragtimey piano yeah. thing, but the EQing is so bad. You can't pick anything out of the din of the noise. And I feel like the harmonica, while it's fun, it's, it's almost like he just was trying to clean it out or something for a second. He was just like, <laughs> bah, harmonica, let's do the song. <laughs> so I do like this. It, even though the second, version or the the real version whatever basement tapes version is uh, a little slower i yeah. kind of like that because the eqing is so much better the reverb the amount of reverb is is unnecessary but at least you can really pick it out and i think that danko and manuel's voices are so beautiful that you can really hear them so much better on the, the actual basement tapes version that it kind of gives yeah. it the edge for me 
But I do like them both. I think they both have a quality to them that makes them kind of distinct for being the same song and all the same components. That it's amazing what you can do just by changing the balance of the the, the volume dynamics. How different you can make the song sound, uh, just from EQing. That's just from post. Well, the post. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. they took that song in post and did that too. So in a way, we are listening to a more like, you know, raw version for take one because it didn't get the same treatment that that two did where it was made for a record to to sound a certain way and a lot of people complained then and probably today where it's like some of this basement tapes the 75 basement tapes are just kind of a band vehicle it's more of the band than it is bob dylan and you know they do sound pretty drastically different but i'm with you like sound wise i when it comes down to in our playlist it goes from one to two and two is like oh man it's it's butter. And if it's like, that is the version that I think of all the time, because volume 11, the, the basement tapes, again, as I've said a million times as a bootleg, when I was a kid, you know, doing CDRs and stuff, there was not a the great one version of every single song that all sounded great. So in my head, you're, you're just gambling on quality. Whereas when you listen to the basement tapes for songs you like, you're always going to have a great quality take. So if I think a million dollar bash, it's going to be this and I can gamble on whether I'm listening to a tree with roots or whatever the bootleg is that you're getting the rest of it from, but there's no guarantee on quality. So some guy in Indiana could be listening to one that's recorded from a speaker and they, they, they listen to it in their whole life. They're like, this is terrible. And the first time they hear it on volume <laughs> 11, they're like, Oh my God, this is like, it's way better than what I knew. Whereas nobody has that issue in 1975. They're listening to this ostensibly for the first time. And it's what is all in our, in our brain. So I think for me too, is like the definitive and then one is what I compare it to because I have no other choice in my brain, but I don't necessarily like that, but it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you, that's how you first heard it. What are you supposed to do? Right. That's exactly. The, the version. Totally. Uh, and do, maybe people I, did that with Fairport before, you know, they're like, I like this band mm-hmm. and they did a cover of that. Wow. And now you're thinking of that, which I think they're pretty faithful. So it's kind of like, I wouldn't feel sort of betrayed or like, wow, this is such a different song. I think they took it pretty straightforward too. So. Yeah, I really like their version. It does feel a lot more upbeat. Adding the mandolin is fun. There mm. doesn't seem to be a piano in the song, mm. which feels so, like, I can't really hear one. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a piano in the song. Um, but And then that's so important in the Bob Dylan version that, like, yeah. it feels weird for it to not be there. But it, I don't know, and it just feels more of, like, a, a gang vocals throughout the whole thing. I don't know. It's it's fun. I like yeah. their version. And, yeah, I'm I'm just blown away that this is from 1969 it's like a really great sound quality yeah. sounds very polished very good hmm. anyway sid griffith uh, in his liner notes for bootleg series volume 11 describes take one as quote get this in the 138 songs uh... cover scraps and snippets recorded in the basement this is one of the two times where dylan picks up his harmonica it's an alternative take uh, with a more gentler looping vocal than the one recorded for the 1975 basement tape release. And then for uh, take two, he says, quote, there's a beautiful idiosyncratic way the words are put together, but it's the singing and playing that make this track work so well. Dylan enunciates every word with relish and the joyous harmony chorus makes this instantly memorable. And this was actually also the single in 1975 for the bootleg series as well. So this is what America quote unquote heard as sort of the advertisement, if you will, for this record, which I think is a, is emblem. I think the song is emblematic because we've listened to like clothesline saga. Remember how like mm-hmm. laconic he sounds and slow. I think that he kind of takes that on without all of the apathy in the song, but that second version is so much slower. So it kind of does what a lot of basement tape songs do where they bring it down a level. Whereas one is so interesting because the harmonica is cool and it's way more upbeat. It reminds me a lot more of the Fairport Fairport convention than it than number two does because they kind of just recorded the same song twice one upbeat one sort of just i wouldn't say low or you know what would you call that for in music um what, what the high key a low, high key low key or whatever the what do you do oh, i don't even know minor Mi- major? minor major minor I yeah i don't know well I the know, key's all the same it's all the same it's just the tempo we can't go back to math kelly uh <laughs> Goodbye, then pushing in the crash. Oh, gonna make it though, and that million dollar bash. Oh, baby, ooh, ooh, baby, ooh, it's that million dollar 
live, the live version. Uh, do, do are you with me that this version's pretty great? It is good. Uh, I did like it, and again, it sounds. I like a the lot crowd. Diff- the crowd is so funny. The Brits are so cute. <laughs> hey, Bobby! <laughs> I just personally, for me, if I was listening to this, I don't know if I would know or not know that Million Dollar Bash had or had not been a song before going to this. Although that information was definitely available online. But the moment that he starts singing the song, they don't know what it is because Bob Dylan mm-hmm. is hard to understand, and they're yes. like, "This could be fucking any song in the world." But once yes. you get when he sings, you know, his cheeks in the chunk with the cheese and the cash, like you just everyone clicks. And everyone's yes. ready to sing along, and you just hear the spontaneous clapping, like "Whoa, yeah!" And everybody's doing the "Ooh, baby, ooh." Uh, there's not a lot of sing-along Bob Dylan songs. super cute i noticed that immediately too i was like oh no one knows what this song is until like 30 40 seconds in because yeah how the, for one he's like not even singing into the mic at the very beginning oh i know and then finally gets in and he's so croaky and so hard to understand like god bless everyone in that fucking audience for even picking it up when they did because jesus i would not have been able to clock this clearly because i don't even know the song would have been an ooh baby ooh wee that would have been the part where it's like okay all right i know where we're at and even that he kind of gives up on it because clearly in the in the recorded versions it, it's really extended ooh and this he's like ooh baby ooh <laughs> and even at the end he sort of laughs where he's like this is silly I, now I remember why I don't play this song and yeah, then he never he picks should. it up again he should it's fun every I mean everybody was super into it it's a party song as far as I'm concerned I love I loved yeah. it I don't know if it's better I was kind of joking about that but I mean the first two are so iconic but man to have one live version we've had a few songs with only one version. And it's great to have it. It's great that it wasn't done in like 1960 something and we never got to, nobody recorded it, you know, type of thing. So it's great that everything is recorded and here we go. And and there's also YouTube too. So if you're interested in watching a very bad version of a video, um, it's very choppy, but you can do that. And you can see Bob at the piano on the side of the stage playing away. So it's very, very cool. Yeah, it's, I mean. It sounds totally different just because there's we've got a couple more guitars going on and yeah it's just does there's definitely no organ like there is in the uh... oh yeah that was the other thing with the actual basement tapes version as opposed to the bootleg version the organ uh, you can't even hear the organ in the fucking the bootleg version come on how would you gonna do Garth Hudson like that man you got to hear that organ and it adds such a nice little layer so I think that's I'm gonna officially go back and say that one gets the edge for being being Fair better enough. but Fair i don't know this live version is really nice it's tough yeah i think it just again comes maybe if they if they took all of that and they and they remastered that first one or they couldn't have done it who knows like what tape it's on i mean there's so many like that's the whole history of the of the series too and just like trying to put it onto a record and they did a lot of fixing of it so could you have hmm. fixed v- v- version one take one to to bring out the organ i don't know probably I think so who maybe. knows I don't know how tapes work. I mean, we want Garth. We love Garth. He's all we talk about. He's all we want. We love you, Garth. Kelly, Robert Shelton said about the basement tapes, quote, the basement Dylan's basement tapes fall into two principal categories. The first is songs tinctured with the search for salvation, including I shall be released from the demo, not the album too much of nothing. This wheels on fire, tears of rage, going to Acapulco, our episode 198, nothing is delivered and possibly long distance operator. The second category is songs of joy. 
signaling some form of deliverance and including uh, and including most of the remaining titles, uh, including Billion Dollar Bash, the single from the album, certainly embodies that feeling. What do you make of the Million Dollar Bash? What do you think is going on in the song? And what do you make of like the party? I mean, I'm assume we're going to agree that the bash is not a violent bash that we were joking about at the beginning, but like is a party. Dude, I have no idea. I have no idea what the song's about other than just being like, here's a character and now it's over. Here's another character. But it's interesting that the last two verses that we switched to the narrator instead. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I couldn't find a thread. No good thesis for this song. It's just like random gibberish. I see it off in like the woods, right? I see it off in like, um, uh, like a small town, you know, all the characters that inhabit our world. They're just kind of like, that ca- the characters and like we're all in this little town together the basement tapes are one big community and so i was thinking like you know the, the, I, I i guess what i'm the only thing i could think is is this party of people on the low end of society or on the upper echelons of society is kind of what i was thinking and i kind of went through the lyrics and i was like i don't really know i mean in the end so i've got a couple of things here and i'm i'm curious what you think about this um Here's a couple of snippets for me. Um, when Bob sings, with his cheeks all forged, with with his checks all forged, and his cheeks in a chunk, with his cheese in the cash. For me, I'm seeing forged checks, which again, poor people could do, rich people do. And either the hoarding could be like a hoarding of wealth or a hoarding to, to save money, right? So that doesn't really help us a lot on if it's poor or if it's rich. The next line is, come now, sweet cream, don't forget to flash. Sweet cream, very condescending, but it could be like either a flash your tits type of thing, or it could be like flash your money, flash your status type of thing. I don't know. The condescension leans me towards the other way. Um, Out in the barn. We go out in the barn to talk with Jones and uh, Nelly, I think, is out in the barn or whatever. And I just wanted to be clear. You hear barn, you think poor farmer or whatever. No. As we've talked about on this podcast and and other podcasts, billionaires own like half the land in America. They have barns. Right. Rich people love barns. White people love trains. Rich people love barns. (laughs) Uh, Another line here is, well, I'm hitting it too hard. My stones won't take. I get up in the morning, but it's too early to wake. First, it's hello, goodbye, then push, then crash. For me, it's like if this is like a lower class type of person, a working class person, they're working like they're they're working so hard that this party is like a distraction for them. The final push then the crash is like the end of the week. But if it was for like a rich person, I could see them pushing and crashing some developing nation into financial ruin <laughs> for their own benefit. You know, again, this is a million dollar bash. It's very important to note. Like it's either this small time community getting together and it's just like a, a, a metaphorical million dollar bash or it's literally a million dollar bash. Right. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. And then the final line here if this, this probably won't clear up anything is, well, I looked at my watch. I looked at my wrist, punched myself in the face with my fist, took my potatoes, potatoes down to be mashed. Now I love a tech billionaire looking at his stock going down on his Apple watch and then punching himself in the face. <laughs> even if it's metaphorical, I do love that, but I know that's not what Bob is talking about. Um, but in the context of the party, it's like in my head, it's like, that means like it's getting too late. Like I look at my watch, it's pretty late. So I I need to, I mean, the potatoes being mashed to me is either like, I need to, I just got to like either have my last drink, go home with the person that I'm going to go home with, or like, I just got to get out of here. Like the potatoes being mashed is the end goal of mashed potatoes. So I need to finish. <laughs> I My potatoes are here in this party. I need to mash them so I can go home. For me, it's not really about wealth per se. I think it's like social status. I think that's something like, do you see yourself in this story or do you not? Could you see yourself in this party? Uh, I, yeah, I, sure. I, I guess I never considered it that it was like a metaphorical million dollar bash. Like, it's just the richest thing we could put together. It's the most extravagant thing we could put together. It was the most fun thing we could put together versus it actually being like for legit millionaires. But that's why it's it's so tough because it's so many silly things. And yes, potatoes, the way he says potatoes. Which he so does good. not do in the live version. He goes right I to know. potatoes. It was I disappointing. Know. We were all potatoes. disappointed. I mean, I really do want to know what mashing potatoes means because it definitely sounds like a sex thing. And then I also want to know what the the stones won't take. Could also be a sex thing. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. I don't know what that is. Or well, maybe if, it's drugs. 
Well, I don't and, know. and that's the thing, man. You get up into the upper echelons of this type of party shit. We know that these motherfuckers be doing some bad stuff. So it's yeah. like, yeah, there be stones, there be potatoes, there be mashing. <laughs> I don't think I want to go to this party if it's full of millionaires or if it's full of these people who are mashing potatoes and their stones and aren't aren't working or whatever. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go to this party. I don't think it's for me. <laughs> I'm going to start keeping track of all the characters that we meet in the basement tapes. So in theory, not only do we have our, our friends, the dumb blonde, turtle, counselor, silly Nelly, and Jones at our party, but we also have Jim, Richard, Homer, Mouse, and Nick from Open the Door Homer. We've got the dude who always spills juice on you from Odds and Ends. Um, <laughs> uh, the poor little chauffeur uh, and the drummer who hides behind a bottle from you having a bottle of bread. Uh, clothesline Sokka, we got Mama and Papa and the Mad Vice President. And of course, the King of France is probably at this right. party somewhere. Um, so these are so far all of our characters that we get to have, um, which, again, I love so much because it's very specific, but also lets your imagination kind of roll. If if this song is not a, a real party, um, I guess the question would be, does it represent anything or is it just a silly song? I'm going to decide that that this song is actually about a party for millionaires that the narrator and their friends are crashing. And I think, because I think the one line that colors it as far as being an actual party for millionaires is the Jones taking out the trash thing. Now, granted regular old folks take out the trash, but in every party I've ever been to in my life, no one has done it mid party. So that to me indicates a service person, right? Like Mm. that is your, whatever butler type person sure. house cleaner whatever doing that mid party to make sure everything stays nice so even if it is in a barn and yes barns can definitely i mean farmhouse chic is definitely a thing people love an yes. edison light over a rickety barn but very high-end everything uh pinterest moment so yes. i think that this is is a, a rich hoity-toity party and the narrator and his friends are gonna go fuck it up that's See, what I've decided. And about. I would say specifically you highlighting that line in particular, which is then along came Jones, emptied the trash. Everybody went down to that million dollar bash. Uh, though, that's probably the only two like known references that I could find online, which is or find in general uh, are from the band called the Coasters. Along came Jones from 1959, which both of these are on our playlist, mm-hmm. um, empties the trash. And along came Jones was specifically a send up to 1950s TV. Uh, features Salty Sam chasing poor S- Sweet Sue. Um, and then you have the slow walking, slow talking, long, lean, lanky Jones to save the day. So the fact that like and this then... 50s TV hero or whatever is part of our thing is fairly interesting. And then Yakety Yak from the coasters as well. Everybody knows Yakety Yak, which is also an incredibly silly song, but itself is kind of a parody of 50s suburban life. So the fact that this is here, I think, is totally indicative of... We are joking around. We're having fun. Obviously, that's what Bob Dylan is. We do not have to think this hard, and we are not thinking this hard about it. Don't go back. You just put on your coat and hat. I don't know how I, I feel. I love the idea of like uh, crashing a party. I could I could see where like even the 50s from 1967 could be something sort of solidified and like Jones now isn't saving Sweet Sue, right? He's kind of the status quo. He's the man. He's just here at his barn or whatever doing the trash because he doesn't even want to be a part of the party or whatever. And here we are just we're here, baby. We're just the, <laughs> the kids from the six. I don't know from the 60s fucking or I don't know. I don't know what people thought back in 1967, Kelly. We weren't even alive. No, we weren't. We that weren't does for a while. that does make it hard to identify with. I, this one's hard because I don't I don't want to like subscribe to like his own personal life a lot, but I do see a couple of like things about like giving some breathing room from his own life. I think that the basement tapes in general are breathing room from his prior existence as one of the biggest stars in the world of music. And obviously he went on his tour in 1965 and 66. He had his motorcycle accident. This is one of the things that slowed him down, getting off of the amphetamines and going to Woodstock to to record the basement tapes. So for me, it's kind of like the million dollar bash could be a metaphor for how it felt like to be in the 
that sort of world where it felt like everything was going so fast. Even when he says that big, dumb blonde, you could read that as like making fun of blonde on blonde. What a dumb mm-hmm. record. Like I'm, I'm distancing myself from that album. Uh, Bob Dylan would say, uh, talking later about 1967 in general, he said, quote, at that time, psychedelic rock was overtaking the universe. And so we were singing these homespun ballads. They said it was ahead of its time, but actually it was behind its time. Mm-hmm. By looking at this party and all of these people in it, these people could be people that are part of his life. You know, a lot of people think it, you know, they want to make the comparisons to like um, Andy Warhol, the factory, all of that, you know, those parties being put on and that cultural export being exported across the world, really. And this is what Bohemian life is like. This is the summer of love. This is what the 60s, the end of the 60s are going to look like. We know what that is. Even you and me, we've got a cultural memory of what that looks like. And in a ways you could see him being like, well, no, I don't agree with that. Or I don't like that. And this is almost a song making fun of those people too. I could see something like that as well, but I don't think it's that easy personally. Yeah. And then finally, the last one, Kelly, it would be death. Bob Dylan said in 1966, quote, obviously death is not very universally accepted. I mean, you think that traditional music people could gather from their songs that mystery is a fact, a traditional fact. And the closest lyric for me to that is verse five, which we've talked about a couple times now when he sings, well, I'm hitting it too hard. My stones won't tank get up in the morning and it's too early to wake first. Hello, then goodbye, then push, then crash. But we're all going to make it to that billion dollar bash. And for me, you know, the push, the crash. I mean, those are life, right? Hello, I'm born. Goodbye. I'm dead. Um, You know, get up in the morning. It's too early to wake. I don't know. It's just like a lot of life. Life is happening and then it ends. And we're all going to go. And I think that's an interesting, if it is about death, I like that. We're all going to go to the million dollar bash. It's not a very, you know, uh, it's a very um, inclusive bash. You don't have <laughs> to be a goes. Christian. Right. You don't have to be uh, of a certain religion to go to the bash. So I, yeah. I kind of like that. We all are going one way or the other to the next side. I think that and works hey, well. Maybe it's a party. I like it. Yeah. No, I think that, that works very well. Yeah, and I took my potatoes down to be mashed. Obviously, we all have potatoes, and we all just need to mash them, maybe. I mean, potatoes to me are like just, it's a sack of what you carry in your life. And when you're done, what do you think you do with them? You take them on? No. You got to mash the potatoes. You got to spread them over your coffin, and you got to move on to your next life. Oh, gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Who knew? Does this song work? And any final thoughts on Million Dollar Bash? I think I have to say that it works only because I thought that Fairport Convention song was made like five years ago. So <laughs> That's crazy to me. I love that. They would love to know I that. I had no idea. I mean, they're touring. Oh, really? So they're still going around? Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. I yeah. just because I went to their Spotify page. They're uh, playing in Durham I don't know, at the Ushaw Historic House, the Met in Bury. John Peel Center for Creative Arts. I love that you thought that it was only five years old. Yeah, no. Not a lot of people have covered this, actually. There's not a lot of covers. Although the band um, f- that's um, from My Morning Jacket, everything, the the band, what am I trying to say? The band that plays during I'm Not There, you know, that covered a lot of the songs. <laughs> right, yeah. They were called the Million, million Dollar Bashers. So they actually end up not covering this song for the soundtrack for I'm Not There, but they take their name from this song. So that's pretty fun. Anyway, yeah. Do you think it works? Oh, well, fuck yeah. I think that this song works. <laughs> um, I think it's a great starter for Bob Dylan fans or like a, a great um, basement tape starter. It's got the vibe. It's got the voice. It has silliness. But there are moments where you're like, hmm, is that what I just heard? You know, you want to go back and be like, that's actually like weirdly great or profound or like, oh, man, I want to think about that. Uh, did you just say potato like that? That's great. <laughs> um, and it's got undeniable style, which kind of like Fairport Convention can you place it in time? I don't know. I think the base- basement tapes are so fun that they could be from the 20s. They could be from the 60s. And like we've talked about, time collapses for people as we go forward. And it's like the yeah. 60s become a whole different realm. And the fact that this was like a year removed for Blonde on Blonde, I, I think that's wild for somebody who's just getting into music to think about. It was wild for me back then. And it has got to be even more wild to have another 20 years under the belt of like how fast music can change. And I I fucking love that. And at the end of the day, I'm 100% with you. And the reason I love this song to death is that I think that this is a soundtrack for people having fun. It's a soundtrack to having friends, playing music with friends, being a bit wild, saying random bullshit, and making up inside jokes. Like, this is the theme song of the Basement Tapes. 
in my opinion. And I think it's a theme song to a lot of our lives. It's not about rich. It's not about poor. Everybody has the million dollar bash. And when you're inside of it, it makes complete sense. And when you're not in it, it you couldn't understand it if you tried. And I think well, that's, that's the nice. whole point. That's a nice little thought. I punched myself in the face with my fist. I took my potatoes down to be mashed. And I made it all over that million dollar bash. Kelly, did you know that we are also a real podcast? I do because you can find us on the internet and the internet only contains real things. Fuck. Who told you about the internet? <laughs> Shit, we made it 138 episodes and you and finally. about the internet. <laughs> Shit. Well, I guess you could just search Bob Dylan now and then you'll just know. Ooh, I did. I did. Okay, so I've had a couple of wild Bob Dylan moments. Go figure. He was kind of like a big deal or whatever. It's kind of a thing, yeah. Is a big deal. I don't know. Uh, so I've heard a couple songs that I have heard of his before on the radio. Specifically, uh, like Rolling Stone, which I had heard prior to this podcast, was on the radio the other day. And Episode like, 87. This is a good song. This is a pretty good song. I'm kind of into this song. So that was nice. And then also, uh, earlier, I went to the Basement Tapes album because I just wanted to, to see. Uh, I was curious which other ones we had covered because I was like, I'm pretty sure we've done a couple yeah, of them. Yeah. And one of the songs on there has three million more listens than any other song. Um, so I was like, i got to kind of listen to this for just one second. Which one it's is it? It's called You Ain't Going Nowhere. You Ain't Going Nowhere. Excellent. Yeah. So I, I listened to like 10 seconds of it for a second. Uh, the birds do it. The birds cover it. More famously. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Gotcha. But yeah, you Maybe listen to why. it? No, I just listened to like 10 seconds of it because I didn't want to actually listen to it. But I was like, this doesn't seem dynamically different than anything else, so I don't understand. I have a hot take. Not only do the birds do it better, this is a classic birds better than Dylan, but not true because Bob Dylan's 1971 re-recording of You Ain't Going Nowhere is better than this version. So we'll climb that bridge after it's gone After we're way past it but I think that's why it has three million because people are coming from the band and they're coming from maybe Greatest Hits Volume 2. Or The Bird. Or, or sorry, The Birds. My bad. Yeah. So they're coming from those worlds and they're... I, I figured it had to be on a movie or something. I was like, why this song out of all of them? Could be. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, we're a real podcast. Just listen to it. <laughs> no, we're a real podcast. Yeah. No, that's breaking the rules. <laughs> you found about the internet. It's real. It's over now. The floodgates have opened. You find out the internet, and you go right to you ain't going nowhere. What are we supposed to do? If you want to be like Kelly and you just want to listen to Bob Dylan, he's on Apple Music. He's on Spotify. Oh, you can find him at every record store on the planet. He just announced he has another book coming out. Oh, I mean, Jesus. whatever. <laughs> Have fun. Do you whatever. don't need us anymore. If you wanna if you wanna if you wanna listen to us talk about Bob Dylan randomly as we like sh- uh, predict wars and stuff like that, oh, then you can listen to our podcast more at SFGW Pod where you're already at. You want to go to our website, SFGWpod.com, intermittent on Twitter, on Instagram, <laughs> SOTW Pod. You want to give us a dollar, you want an episode dedicated to you, SOTW Pod, baby, at Patreon, patreon.com. SOTW pod. We love you. Thank you all. Good night. Good night. <laughs> but before we go, don't turn out the light yet, but go to Spotify.com. Sorry, can you go to Spotify.com? That's probably the website. I've never thought of it as a website. Go to Spotify.com slash SOTW pod. I don't know. Find, search for our playlist. We have two playlists. One is see that my playlist is kept clean. That is our real time live look at what we're doing um, currently. So if you're listening to this in 2023 and things have gone pear-shaped, you can see where we're at right now as we're listening probably to Bob Dylan's talk of World War III blues um, oh, or no. at our website and you can go to our show notes and find every single playlist that we do. This playlist is no exception yeah. to greatness. I know. It's so good. And I want to sh- shout, sh- shout out your riff. That you are now doing on pretty much every every um, right. playlist now. You're welcome. And your riff is a Millie on doll hair and bash.
I mean, it's perfect. It worked out really well. We love it. <laughs> and we're going to get to them right now. Welcome back to our playlist for the second time. Caroline Rose, money. I forgot how good she was. Also, she's doing two nights at Doug Fur at the end of the month. They're both sold out immediately. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. Are we going back to shows? Let's go to shows. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lil Wayne, fourth time with a Millie. Of course a Millie. Fourth time with a Millie. Kendrick Lamar, only the third time. Oh, my God. How much does a dollar cost? I was like, when I was listening to this, and I mean, I've listened to to Pimba Butterfly before, like, but I was like, God, why is that so fucking familiar? Dun, 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 dun. I was like, what is that chord structure? I was like, this is a fucking Radiohead song. This is a fucking Radiohead song. And then I was like, uh, how much does a dollar cost Radiohead? Read it immediately. They're like, this is Pyramid Song. And I was like, ah, shit. It's not exactly right. But the, some of the chord progression is totally there. And I was just like, God, well, he this song takes is so Sufjan, good. too. Oh, yeah? He takes Sufjan on, on there, uh, too. Yeah, so. Fucking Whitney Houston. How good time. was that Billion song? dollar bill. I thought that was going to be like an indie rock song. Every time it starts, I'm like, do you know, just like <laughs> vibing within that. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Anyways, there's a book um, that, that I just keep pushing out because I want to read it on the road uh, about Whitney Houston. I'm like, I need, I want to listen to all of Whitney Houston and I want to read the book mm. um, that's come like it, it's blowing up right now. So we'll talk about Whitney Houston soon enough. I hope because I'm actually really, really. Yeah, me too. I kind of, I want to do, uh, do a deep yeah. dive on her anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Queens of the Stone Age, second time. Have you ever heard of them? Maybe we have a mixed up confusion about <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age. What's that? <laughs> From back in the day, what is that? Um, if you know, you know, and this uh, is You Think I Ain't Worth the Money, but I feel like, or I ain't worth a dollar, right. but I'm worth, but I feel like a millionaire. How great is that riff? That's all I have to say. They, oh, they're so good. And especially when the song cuts out, it's like, Dinano. <laughs> so and finally, good. REM, weirdly, second time with a million is on there too. REM I, another band that at some point has to be listened to by me. Yeah. I've never listened to them about REM. This is like a really, really old song of theirs. I was like, damn, this sounds nothing like the REM that I barely know, but it sounds nothing right. like them. And I was like, Oh God, this is an EP from before even their first album came out. I was like, okay, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. And doing that 60 songs that define the nineties or whatever, explain the nineties. Uh, you know, he's a huge REM fan mm. and you know, Obviously, he would be if this is about the 90s and stuff. And it's just so weird whenever he plays clips or things. And he did um, Night Swimming, I think, from R.E.M. So, like, doing that whole episode on R.E.M., I don't know shit. I don't know (laughs) Night Swimming, the song. I don't know anything. I only know the hits, so I feel weird because, man, you it feels like we should know. But we are definitely just a little bit too too young. Yeah. You know? Just a little. Um, But right on the cusp, though. Like, really close. And then finally, welcome to the playlist for the very first time. Lonely Island, a.k.a. the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. Let's bash. Gotta say, as somebody who knows who the Bash Brothers are, I don't know. You probably do, too. I did not. I, I had to look it. it up because okay. I was like, what is this about? This is amazing. Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. When they're talking about doing their arm bash, <laughs> the bash, dude, when he's, like, describing it in great detail and, like, how people are going to the hospital. Genuinely some of the funniest things in the world. When he's like, I'm naming baseball teams in case you yeah, don't know. Yeah. So funny. I, Why are they so funny? They, God, Andy Samberg's the best. Um, so I didn't know what the hell this was, and I didn't know who they were. I looked it up, and I was like, okay, they're baseball players. I get it, whatever. And the song's just fun because it's it's funny song. They're funny people. This I, I noticed. I, I pulled up the, the album, and I was like, it says Netflix in the corner. This was a, a Netflix comedy special, a 30-minute special that Lonely Island did, which is essentially just the album. Like, the premise of... The, the comedy special is that it's a documentary about Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and the album they put out in the 80s that no one knew about. And it's just like, it's so funny. So it's essentially, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was just kind of skipping through it. And I was like, this is amazing. My Rudolph's in it. Like so many people are in it because they have all the friends. So we're going to watch it. Yeah, I think we should. I totally think we okay. should. But it's essentially just like music videos kind of stitched together of all the songs that they made. <laughs> it's really, really funny. So I definitely want to watch that. That sounds amazing. I cannot believe it exists. It's a great premise yes. um, for what it's worth. Weirdly enough, for the first time, Lord, million dollar no bills. Way. We talked about yeah, I we talked about Lord multiple times. No way. I, I she was on my on my you know on both of ours. I think our our list of stuff. We I think we need to top twenties hire a SOTW pod fact checker because what would it be? Name it. Name a name a Lord song. No. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that this is as good as I think it's ninety eight percent correct. God, I did not. I did not recheck for what it's worth. So, Lord, million dollar bills, first time. Uh, Jay Coast and No Offense on great song. Never heard of either of Me them. Either. And then we're we're in your morass right here. Shrimp 
the band Shrimp. Oh my the god, song Doll, I, lowercase Doll. I really, really liked that song, and I was like, oh my god, this would be a band I'd totally be into. And then I clicked into their stuff. Nothing like doesn't sound anything like it. And I was like, Ugh, what a bummer. Their band's called Shrimp. That is a tough go. <laughs> uh, the Cow Sills, Hair, gotta say, probably the most like ambitious song on this entire playlist. Mm. It goes through like five different like key change of tempos, oh, yeah. like just like we're going slow, we're going fast, we're going here. Like what the hell's going on? We're just singing about hair. Yeah, have you never heard this song before? I've never heard the song. Oh my god, yeah. That shit gets stuck in my head. It's, all the time. it's on my nineteen seventy three playlist now. Yeah, nice, nice. Whatever year. So yeah, fantastic. I've never heard of them. Don't know who it is. Who they are. The Marine Rapper Bash. Never heard of the Marine Rapper. Not at all. And I still like after listening to this song multiple times because I listen to the playlist multiple times, I'm like, I don't is he glorifying what he like people he killed? Right. Or is he upset about it? I cannot tell. But it's an interesting we'll concept. Just I mean, move on. Yeah, <laughs> just, I don't want to. I don't want to read into this. No, but he's here, the Marine rapper. He's part of our our playlist, and also Jawbreaker for the first time. We've talked about Jawbreaker so multiple good. times, but Million on here, great stuff. Drug Church, Dollar Story as well. They just came out with a new record, which I'll be talking about in one second. Fairpoint Convention, of course, Million Dollar Bash. We love it, and then finally, Middle Brother with Million Dollar Bill and Caroline. Polichek I thought maybe you had recommended her. Have you talked about her or no? No. She, no. okay, so if anyone's familiar with uh, Imogen Heap or her earlier project, Fru Fru, mm. um, it's very, mm. very similar. And I was like in a mood and I really needed to hear it, go back and listen to iMegaphone and stuff. So I put on uh, Imogen Heap Radio and she was on there and I was like, oh my God, this is like what you were doing 20 years ago, but like today and it's all good. She has like one album and then a bunch of singles, which tends to do the thing. I think her, her one album came out. I mean, I have it right here. I can just fucking look right now. So Caroline Polachek's uh, one and only studio album today is called Pang from 2019. And since then she's released oh. a bunch of singles. The one billions that's on our playlist is actually probably the, one of the, the better ones, but they're all great. I mean, every single thing that she does, it's just like nice yeah. dream poppy, a little synthy. It's just really, mm-hmm. really pleasing to listen to. I thought maybe you had recommended her because like on the, um, other artists people listen to Charlie XCX was all over the place, and I know you did like, oh, a little sure, dive sure. on her. So I was wondering if maybe I did. Um, you had heard very quarantine-y though. Yeah. Well, she has a new album coming out very soon too. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I do like her. I think that's yeah, but not just very recently though. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so. check out Car- uh, Caroline Polachek. It's good. It's good. Good. I think so too. I think so too. Well, beyond that, Kelly um, and our playlist, which you can always see on Spotify, just search it. You know, S O T W. And the number of this episode. Uh, what else were you doing this week in the world? Oh, boy. Okay. this I'm going to have to try speed run this because I did too many things. Okay. So I watched Scream, the newest Scream, Scream 5, but it's just called Scream because oh. that's what we do now when it's Halloween 21. You just call it Halloween again and confuse fucking everybody forever. Okay, great. Yeah. So Scream 5, for How what it's it? worth. It was good. I love it. But I'm an unashamed Scream fucking apologist. I love that series. I don't trust you. So but... much. You should not trust me, but I think it's great. They really, like, go over the top with, like, the self-referential bullshit. They even, like, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I, I loved it. I was happy to pay the $6 or whatever I paid to watch it. Um, we started watching Boba Fett or the Book of Boba Fett, whatever, which is oh, a spinoff yeah. of The Mandalorian. So far, it sucks. Uh I would not recommend it at all. Now, only two episodes in, maybe it gets better. I doubt it. I think it's made for exactly 12-year-olds and no one else. I can't really tell who it's for. It's not good. Um, we also watched in like one night uh, The Woman in the House across the street from The Woman in the Window, which is like a dark comedy parody about all those, the the girl on the train, the woman in the house, whatever. It's like, so she's like a drunk solving a murder mystery. Every day she pours an entire bottle of wine into a glass. It's like, it's... It's excellent. I didn't realize it was supposed to be like a parody kind of thing because they play it so deadpan. Um, so at the the first episode, I was like, oh, we're doing a murder mystery. This is pretty interesting. And then I was like, wait, this is like little things. You're like, this is over the top. Like there's a handyman in the in the show that's fixing a mailbox the entire time. He still has not fixed the mailbox. And then she talks to her ex-husband and she's like, you know, when you hired the handyman two years ago to fix our mailbox, it's like. It's so funny. It's so good. I, I mean, I lost it immediately when when she was doing the accent at the beginning of the, oh, British, the British accent. And I was like, and I was like, this is so weird yeah. for me. I'm just like, this is funny. And my, you know, grandma's like here enough, but she doesn't really remember the good place. Mm-hmm. So I was like, grandma, good place. You know, she she's funny. And then when she's like, I don't have a British accent, whatever. I was like, this is gonna be funny. Yeah. 
And like, but like, we're acting like it's real. This is so interesting. So I didn't listen to the whole thing, but every time I would come in, it would be Kristen Bell being like really dramatic yeah. and stuff. And that always was funny to me. But I didn't realize it was actually supposed to be funny. I thought it was actually real. I yeah, it was I thought like I thought so a for, for so long. Of Girl in the window, right? Or whatever. Yeah, no, it's just, and then just like yeah, at the end, it, it's really good. You should watch it. It, I think it would it would have helped me a lot if I would have known going into it like this is supposed to be a joke. She plays it so straight that it's really hard to know. And it, even though it's like Kristen Bell's an amazing comedic actress, like I don't know, she could do the drama stuff too. So. Totally, I I don't doubt she could be a dramatic actor. But come on, when you say when you hired the guy to fix the mailbox two years ago, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's like. Yeah. Some people are going to get it and some people are not. Yeah. And they're just going to be like, nope, that's normal. This is a dramatic <laughs> performance. And the rest of it's like, this is fucking parody. Bonkers. Bonkers. That to me is funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, all right. So speed run music time. Okay. Tool came out with Opiate Squared, which is just a reimagining of their song, the song Opiate from the eponymous oh, the 1992 song. album Opiate. I think they might be doing the whole album. I think Maynard is bored and he's trying to relive his glory days. He's going on tour with Pucifer right now. I think he's just like, instead of making new music, how about I just go back to an album that was really fun when I was like 20 years old and let's just re-fucking do it. And it's not bad. I mean, it's it's barely different, but it is different enough. And it, it's nice just because the audio quality, like the recording is just way better. So... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll make the whole album. I don't know. Uh, I listened to the Rolling Stones. Um, I was like, okay, I want to start listening. I, I want to listen to a couple of bands, but I don't want to listen to 20 fucking albums of bullshit that I'm not going to like. So I'm just going to do what I did with Metallica and kind of go to Rate Your Music and just see the best one. So I was like, I'm going to take the best four albums according to Rate Your Music and listen to them. Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, Let It Bleed, and Beggar's Banquet. Not for me. I, officially, I've done okay. it. I've listened to them. They're whatever. They're so samey. They just like, sure, Wild Horses is good. Uh, and I, I really like um, the one that I sing at fucking karaoke all the time that I can't remember the name of, where it's like, Fate just a shadow away. What is it? What is that song? Uh, oh, oh. You know, that oh, song. Um, yeah. Yeah. That one. I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Oh, we love her. Yes. She was great. And, you know, those are fine, but it's just not for me. I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too young. I don't fucking know, but it's not for me. Because I've listened to all the Rolling Stones. And let me tell you. There's a lot of fucking trash. So I get it. I, I, what you're doing is smart. It's the way to go. Yeah. And Rachel Music is, is really, uh, you know, 95% like the way the way to go. Yeah. But anyways, if you didn't like it, you don't like it. I, why, that's not why. Why should you go to jail for that? Yeah. Why should I go to jail for that? I didn't know that was on the table. I mean, some people would say that. I think that's like toxic Bob Dylan fans would say, like, you're not allowed like how dare to you to not like this yeah, like yeah. Bob, the the Beatles Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan are one in the same you should love them all right like that's wild yeah. stuff wild stuff that song is called Give Me Shelter thank god uh, I did the same thing with Dio uh, his three best albums Holy Diver The the Last in Line and Dream oh, Evil Dio from yeah. Sabbath R- Ronnie James Dio Dio, Dio. Yeah. <laughs> Dio yeah I haven't done Dio man I haven't done Dio Sabbath I stopped at Ozzy Sabbath oh yeah no me too I've never gone yeah. beyond yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Oh, he just fun. like I think because of maybe Tenacious D even just like I always thought he was like cute and charming. And the fact that he just like puts rainbows in every single one of his songs. I don't know. He's so funny. They're all good. They're really good. They're totally listenable. And I really like them. So, yeah. I should do fucking that. Fucking Dio, I man. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> and then, okay. I mentioned a long time ago a podcast that I listened to briefly called Heat Rocks, which is uh, Oliver Wang and Morgan Rhodes, who are music people who talk about, they take a, bring a guest on and they talk about their favorite album of all time and why they like it. And they talk about the whole album. And I listened to it and it was good and it was informative and I liked it. However, I don't have the attention span to actually listen uh, actively to those at the moment. So I have not gone back and listened to the podcast. Podcast is over now. They only have 160 or so episodes. So it could, it is doable. I just have not done it. But what I did do, because I think this is much more easier for me to manage, is look at all their entire episode list and put every single album, or I'm working on putting every single album in a playlist and actually just listen to the albums. I was like, this is a great way right. for to expose me to music that I might otherwise not ever pick up. And it's just like a bite-sized, manageable thing to do. So the first 10 albums. Betty Davis's They Say a Different, fucking amazing. I've never heard of her. Like, funk, I like, incredible. Her voice is just like. R.I.P. Really? She just passed away. Oh, Jesus yep. Christ. Never listened to an album. Uh, Should We Do Bop and Cop Em? Fucking amazing. Anyway, it, I noticed like older albums, track one is always like, it's the banger. It just is. I don't know what do they do, but I, I'm not sure that's on purpose. Uh, the rap, oh, sorry, the R&B group intro, their 1993 album intro. Uh, great. I think it's better than Cooley High Harmony, personally. Um, their song love thing also track one great uh let's see madonna's like a prayer the song like a prayer excellent the song after that express yourself excellent that the rest of that album is trash uh 
DMX is in Stark and Hell is Hot, which I talked about before. How's it going down? Always fantastic. Damien, stop being greedy. Amazing. Uh, the band changes uh, their album Miracles from 1982. They're like an adult contemporary light funk. It's not really for me, but their song Hold Tight on that album is good. Commons like Water for Chocolate. Listen to that a million times. Um, that album is super hit or miss. It's it's too long for one. It's 16 tracks, 72 minutes long. You could make a good album out of it, but it's just like it's like over the top misogynist. It's just like DMX, like so problematic sometimes. But like it, a song for Asada, the best and the light obviously is a great song too. Um, Prince is 1999. Finally listened to a Prince album. Mm, hey. And I came to the conclusion that I knew I was going to come to before I listened to it, which is not oh, no. for me. Uh, yeah. The song 1999 and Little Red Corvette, which everyone's heard, those are great songs, but it's just like, it's a little too experimental. I think if you were in 1982 listening to this album, it would have felt like it was from the fucking future. Like, I understand the merits. He's a great guitar player. He was doing weird shit. I respect everything he did, but much like David Bowie, a lot of the catalog is just not for me. Uh Sade's Love Deluxe from 1992 with the song No Ordinary Love on, which everybody knows. That song is fucking amazing. Uh, that album is great, beginning to end. I didn't really, it was really fun. There's um, a song on there called Pearls that's like, the the lyrical content is tough because it's like a poor lady in Somalia, but she sings, hollow, like she says the word hallelujah. She like screams it in that song. It's beautiful. So listen to Pearls. Sade's Love Deluxe, fucking great. Uh, the Shacks. Nope, not the Shacks, I'm sorry. The Sapphires. The Shacks was the name of the group of people that were talking about the album on the show. Anyway, the Sapphires. They never had like a, a whole album that had a bunch of little EPs, so the, their their best of was the album that I listened to. Uh, I mean, it's like doo-wop magic, man. It's just like Malt Shop, fucking amazing. Um, gotta Be More Than Friends, Evil One, Wild Child, Who Do You Love? All Every fucking song on that thing. It's only 22 tracks, and all the songs are only like two and a half minutes. It's so fun to listen to. Just pop that on and it just feel like you're in the fucking 50s. But apparently it's from the 60s, early 60s, whatever. And the biggest surprise to me, an album that I never listened to, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. I've heard the song Rhythm Nation before, but holy shit, I was not prepared for how great that album was. It's pretty schmaltzy sometimes because a lot of it's like, who's going to think of the children? What kind of world are they growing up in? But fucking Rhythm Nation. Oh my God, so good. Uh, and it's the song State of the World. It's just like dancey. And uh, you know, there was this, you're a Jock Jams listener. You've listened to Jock Jams. Wow. You know you're that sound me. in the 90s? Um, the biggest example I can think of that most people will know is from the song It Takes Two. It takes two oh, to make yeah. a thing go. It takes two to make a thing go. Yeah, yeah. You know that sound in the background where it goes, er, ah, ah. You know that like, oh, yeah. little effect? That oh, shit yeah. is all oh, yeah. over here. That little, yeah. that, noise is like all over this album and there's like crazy very late 80s synths but man it was it was really really yeah. really good so rhythm awesome Nation. well you rocked through some some 80s shit right i did there, i know right i'm too. sorry i know that was long that's but great. like i listened to so much music no that's great <laughs> but great i love it well there you go kelly you wanted to go and do a deep dive in in history as you were saying the other podcast there you go <laughs> that's what you got to do yeah i mean you don't it, have to go into the history of white dudes playing guitar right you know what i mean like just everything let's go yes i am happy that Love i'm it. on this journey we'll see how long i stick to it because i give up on things all the time daniel what did you do speaking of giving up on things i well didn't give up but i <laughs> i do want to clarify that i'm still on my source five mic world and oh, i nice. just have not listened to it i i have been deep into my own bullshit in this past two weeks or so i'm getting ready to leave virginia for the ye old west coast so you'll be doing having some episodes live in kelly's garage very soon so if you're into 50s jazz that's what i've been doing for the most part as i've been doing for a long time because that playlist was genuinely about three weeks long um so beyond that a wilhelm scream one of my favorite bands of all time have released three singles from their soon-to-be record called lose your delusion which is a great uh, riff on Use Your Illusion mm -hmm. by Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. This album is going to be one of the greatest, greatest records I've ever listened to in my whole life. Um, the three singles that they have are fucking top tier. The, this band is so fucking good. They go away. They disappear. They're gone for uh, the, the last record that came out in 2013. And now they're finally releasing, after a fucking decade almost, a new album. Be One to No One, along with Figure Eights in My Head and Apocalypse Porn. Excellent. And there's the rest of the album coming up. We'll talk about that. It's hard to think of an album that can top it for album of the year at this point. I just can't imagine it. It hasn't even come out uh, yet. Maybe, <laughs> it hasn't even come out yet. Maybe Pup. Pup released two singles called Matilda and Robot Writes a Love Song. Unlike Kids and Free at Last. I mean, do you remember like those videos? The videos were so iconic for those songs. Mm -hmm. And 
I was so hyped for morbid stuff. I'm not as hyped for this. This the the new album's called The Unraveling of Pup the Band, and they have like a phone number you can call, which I assume has probably a song playing on it, and it's kind of like a, a commentary on commercialism and sort of destroying trying to destroy their band. Uh the videos are pretty cool, but they're not very they're not them. You know, they're not and so far I haven't seen Finn from Stranger Things, so I don't really know what the point of any of the videos are <laughs> without him. But that album comes out on the first of um of April, April Fool's Day. Um you can consider that album as our April Fool's episode, actually. Nice. Um, that's pretty much what we're doing. And then a couple al- other albums that I listened to, Orville Peck. Uh, country singer released a record called Bronco. Well, is releasing a record called Bronco. Uh, chapters one and two are currently out. Hooray for the riffraff! Released a new record um, called Life on Earth. Uh, Gregor Barnett, Greg from um, the Bensigers, released uh, his first solo album called Don't Go Throwing Roses in My Grave. Pretty good. It's kind of like a tradition in punk rock where you have a punk band and then you have your like Tim Barry. You're in a veil, right. and then you have your own thing. And then you're um, uh, Chuck Reagan. You're in hot water music. Then you've got your own thing. Uh, Lord and Gary's did the same thing as well. So they all went on tour back in the day. We haven't done a tour like that in a long time, but anyways, he has a record. It's excellent. I listened to a J pop album. Um, her name is Ikuru Utada. What's the it? album is called bad mode. It's real good. It's like half English, half Japanese. Most of the time it's Japanese. Don't know what's going on, but it's, <laughs> wonderful and there's a song uh the last song on there is like uh if you're looking at it coming coming to marseille or something like that that's like 17 minutes long 15 minutes long 12 minutes long whatever it is oh yeah so, somewhere near marseille marseille somewhere near marseille it's 12 minutes long yeah 12 minutes long it's fucking wonderful it's really beautiful for like a pop song and just like kind of keeps going and you think it's going to get repetitive or, or dull and it's it's excellent and then finally drug church who was on our playlist this week came out with a new album called hygiene I love Drug Church. I love Self Defense Family. Um, the lead singer of that is is the same lead singer of this. Um, that one's a little more spacey sort of band, and this one's a way more sort of post hardcore punk type of sound. And I like that he can kind of balance the singer can balance uh, those two worlds so well. And I have two bands that just kind of like represent those two different sides of punk and alternative hardcore that type of uh, energy. So Drug Church Hygiene, I would definitely recommend. And yeah, finally. You know, uh, uh, we're almost as we record this, we're we're a couple of days away from St. Patrick's Day, so we're not going to have a St. Patrick's Day episode. Except we are. We're just going to do it after St. Patrick's Day because we don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day except for when we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. That's right. So we're going to celebrate it later. And if you want to know what we're going to do next, Kelly, do you have some words for me to choose our next song at random? The first word I have is Mars, the planet, or I guess the candy bar company. Or I guess the Roman god. Nice. Mars, you know. You know, Mars. We have two Mars. We have two two Mars. Okay. okay. Uh, maybe not, though. Uh, hang on. Oh, yeah. We've been lied to before. So. Yeah, see, that's Marshall. We don't want that. No, I do see, not. The word Mars, see, it's and the other one's definitely not Mars. So, no Mars. <sighs> okay. Exception. Hikaru Utada is good. Pretty good. I oh, mean, you're listening. I haven't listened to to J-pop since like Ayumi Hamasaki and uh, Gokt were the things. Um, so that's pretty fun. Uh, exception? No, there's no exception. How? That's impossible. That's fucking impossible. There's a lot of except. Uh, discourage. We have courage, but no in or dis. God. Okay. What about fill? Not the person, but to fill something. 24 fills, potentially. Okay. Maybe fills easy, yeah. Maybe that's What's too many. What's the next one? Last one. Do. D-U-E. Ooh, okay. This will this will bring it down a bit, I'm sure. Three. Hmm. Okay. Are they real? So here we go. It's not like dual? Potentially real, yeah. All right. So, well, let's see. Do. Nope. Nope. There were payments due, and he was a little behind. Okay, boring. Next. My train is overdue. <laughs> White people love trains. Okay, also not good. Next. We'll take over. We'll take the overdue. And we'll take this one too. Even joined the union and paid my dues. Mm. So very three different due worlds. So choose which one you like the best. I mean, I guess the last one, they all kind of suck. 
<laughs> you want the paying the dues? Yeah. Let's conjure up some Woody Guthrie realness. It's funny you would say that. So this song is on Bob Dylan's first album. And this is one of his original songs. The other original song on his first album is Song to Woody. So this song is called Talk in New York. Nice. So we're going to talk New York for the first time, I think, since uh, Hard Times in New York Town, episode 16. I was just going to say, didn't we already do this? But no, that's a different song. We did not. (laughs) No, that was a little bit after. So it's a better song. This song is not as good. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll go there. So we're going to go to New York. And then when we're in New York, we're going to choose what our St. Patrick's Day episode is. So, bam. Okay. We're good. Great. Okay. Kelly, talk in New York. I'll meet you in New York. Take the Staten Island Ferry. Sure. See ya. Chicken.